for this one is we're just looking at the Gospels and looking at those moments where Jesus was with his disciples and connected with them and and teaching them something uh, just for them. Those moments when Jesus was just with those 12. What was he wanting them to have? What was he wanting them to know? What was he wanting them to experience? Uh, and, And where that comes out of for me is is a real desire to encounter Jesus as a leader, someone who's leading us on a great adventure. Uh, Christianity for us a lot of times is, has not been an adventure. In North America, we're, we're pretty strong on making it safe. We're pretty strong on making it uh, predictable. We're pretty strong on making it uh, be kind of a, a perfect experience that, that everyone can share together and just add into their life in a nice little way. Uh, and it's, it's become very possible in North America for you to consume Christianity as a product among products. To consume a life of faith as something that is an add-on to your life, something that is uh, something you bring into your life and you just engage with for a little while and then you park it and engage with with something else. And, uh, and, and also as something that is, uh, is, is an experience that's largely intellectual. It's an experience of, of spiritual growth, an experience of learning things, of knowing things, and, and of constantly growing in that way, but not necessarily an experience of transformation. And Jesus was all about taking his disciples, this motley crew of people, and transforming them. Uh, we, on the other hand, are much like hobbits, aren't we? Anybody ever read The Hobbit? Have you read that beginning description of what hobbits are like in in that uh, famous book by J.R.R. Tolkien? Uh, it was written in, I, I, think he, I think it was 58 or something like that. I'm not sure about the exact date yeah, he released it. It's just, listen to this description of Bilbo Baggins. Uh, this hobbit was a very well-to-do hobbit, and his name was Baggins. The Bagginses had lived in the neighborhood of the hill for time out of mind, and people considered them very respectable not only because most of them were rich, but also because they never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. You could tell what a Baggins would say on any question without the bother of asking him. Now, does this sound like a community that you know of? Does it sound like the church sometimes, right? Uh, he could ask a question and, and, and without the bother of asking him. Would say, you know what the Baggins would say on any question without the bother of asking him. And this is the story of how a Baggins had an adventure and found himself doing and saying things altogether unexpected. He may have lost the neighbor's respect, but he gained, well, we'll see whether he gained anything or not in the end. Um, It talks about, a little bit later on, about a chance morning long ago in the quiet of the world when there was less noise and more green, and the hobbits were still numerous and prosperous, and Bilbo Baggins was standing at his door after breakfast, smoking an enormous long wooden pipe that reached nearly down to his woolly toes, which were neatly brushed, and Gandalf came by. Gandalf. If you'd only heard a quarter of what I've heard about him, and I have heard only a little of all there is to hear, you would be prepared for any sort of remarkable tale. Tales and adventures sprouted up all over the place, wherever he went, in the most extraordinary fashion. And Bilbo comes, and Gandalf is sitting there, and, and comes to his door, and, and Gandalf says, uh, I have no time to blow smoke rings this morning. I am looking for someone to share in an adventure uh, that I'm arranging, and it's very difficult to find anyone. Does that sound like something Jesus might say to his church? I'm looking for an adventure to share, and it's very difficult to find 
anyone. I should think you'll have difficulty in these parts. We are quite plain folk and have no use for adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. I can't think what anybody sees in them. And very often our response to adventure, our response to the impetus of Jesus, the the initiation of Jesus, Jesus coming into our lives and speaking to us and, and calling us to things is this Similar to reaction, similar reaction to what Bilbo uh, had. We, we just don't want any of that. Um, what I want to propose for this series, and this isn't rocket science for us, because this is the kind of thing that we all say as, as Christians all the time, is that literally the most important thing, the crystal clear, absolutely single, undeniable purpose for what we humans are to do with our lives is not just to accept Jesus and accept a life of eternity with him in heaven, but the absolute single crystal clear undeniable purpose for what we are to do with our time on this earth is to actually, literally, daily, practically, decision by decision, step by step, moment by moment, follow Jesus. We are to be followers of Jesus, not learners about Jesus. Followers of Jesus. Let's read our text and pray, and I've just pulled out one adventure of Jesus' adventures with his disciples. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 uh, to 36. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crown. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, let me come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. I just love that. Then Peter just got out on the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then they climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for this incredible book that enlightens us and enriches us and challenges us. We ask that as uh, we engage with this text, Father, that you would, you would transform us. You would make us different people at the end of it than we were at the beginning that you would literally make us new? Would you make us adventurers? Would you make us followers of you? 
Come, Lord Jesus, and help us. Come, Lord Jesus, and help us. Come and help us. Amen. Amen. So we as Christians are, are people who don't love change. We don't love uh, being poked. We don't love being provoked. We don't necessarily love being led. As Christians, we like things to come at us at a, in a controlled way. Uh, when McDonald's uh, introduces a change in their menu, I mean, they go and spend millions and millions of dollars to tell you if they are introducing a salad on the menu. So that when you get into a McDonald's, you won't be surprised to find a salad on the menu. And if they're taking something off the menu, they do press releases and everything else. They spend millions of dollars to let you know that they're taking something off the menu. They we're, we're designed and we're living in a place where everything in our culture is designed to be safe, is designed to be predictable. We're seeing a, an increasing uh, fear that's happening in our culture uh, that, that we're caused to, causing us to be just just afraid and just cautious and just careful. Uh, how many of you read the weather advisory from last uh, night? Last night, I love this. I, I love these things. I love it when I check on the weather and all of a sudden it's red. <laughs> all of a sudden it's red, bright red weather. Oh, something terrifying is going to happen. This is the color of a horror movie. Uh, and, and, and we just read this. Conditions are favorable for the development of dangerous thunderstorms that may be careful of producing strong wind gusts, large hail, and torrential rain. At last, a moving cold front may trigger severe thunderstorms this evening. Main threats are torrential downpours and damaging winds. Intense lightning and hail are also possible, and I love this last line. Isolated tornado is not completely out of the question. <laughs> it's right here. It's in the weather report. An isolated tornado. Like, let's just take something that is incredibly low probability and throw it in people's faces, right? Just to make us more scared and click on that thing more, which I did, and actually made a screenshot and showed it all to you, so they win. But uh, it's, uh, it, it's just this, this, this design that causes us uh, to fear. It causes us to be... To be protective. It causes us to be locked down. Now, when I started summer holidays uh, this year, and this is something that I've noticed every year as I get older and older. I talked about it briefly this week. How many of you love swimming with your kids? How many of you love it? Love swimming with your kids? Well, I'm old. Getting there. And, and when I was just in my sort of tired and cranky space of not quite feeling rested yet, when it's time to swim with the kids, of course, Toby is so excited to be up at the cottage. And, and, and all Toby wants to do is swim. And Toby's like, Dad, can we go for a swim? Are we going to go for a swim yet? Are we going to go for a swim yet? Dad, are you ready? Are you ready? And I am reading my book. I wake up in the morning at the cottage, and now Jack is making breakfast, which is phenomenal, so I have more time to read my book. And, and Toby is like, okay, breakfast is done. Dishes are done. Let's go. And I'm like, I'm reading my book. I'm actually reading a book on adventure travel, but don't bother me with the swimming. Right? Right? Like, don't upset me here. I am reading my book. I'm reading my book about adventure travel. Don't bother me with any adventures. Uh, and, and so I'm reading my book. I'm intense. And finally, they like, drag me into my bathing suit. I threatened to get a Speedo. Uh, and then they wouldn't want me to swim. Uh, and, uh, and so we, uh, you know, we get down to the water and we're down there. And you know what it's like when the kids want you to come in the water? They're getting more aggressive. They're getting more excited. The water starts splashing. And it's like if a drop of water touches you when you're in that state, it's like, ah! It's cold! It's cold! And we get into the water like this. We're kind of like putting our toes in there. This is terrible! It's water. It's water. It's everywhere. 
but we're terrified. It's water, and you get in the water, and you're like putting your, you're getting in there, toes, toes in, toes in. <laughs> and your kids are like splashing, don't splash me, don't splash me, right? We're freaking out. We're freaking out about this. And it's like, get your ankles in, and then there's other parts that you really don't want to get in. You have to jump to get those parts in. Uh, and it's just, it's just one of those terrifying experiences, getting into the water. And that's kind of what we're like. I mean, this is bad parenting. You know I'm a bad parent now because I should just want to jump in the water with my kids, right? But I'm, like, terrified that they might splash me. And what if they hurt my neck? They have sharp fingernails, (laughs) right? Scratches down my back, and I know I'm going to get an ear infection. I don't want to go in. (laughs) And that's what we're like about a lot of the things that God is calling us to. That's what we're like about teaching Sunday school sometimes. That's what we're like about leading worship sometimes. That's what we're like about offering sometimes. I don't want to jump into that one. Uh, That's what we're like about uh, all of the big things that God calls us to, about missions, about radical giving, all of these things that Jesus was teaching his disciples. And so uh, as we are in that space, what does Jesus say to us who are uh, his disciples? And, And we see some beautiful, beautiful stuff in this text. Uh, Matthew 14 says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. First thing I noticed there, and, and, it, and it holds up in the Greek, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat. He didn't invite his disciples to get into the boat. He didn't ask his disciples to get into the boat. He didn't send them an email and say, in about 48 hours, it'll be time for you to get into the boat. I just wanted to let you know that was going to be happening, so it didn't surprise you. Uh, They're gathered all around there. They're at the shore. They've just had an incredible ministry time. They've just fed the the 5,000. And Jesus says to his disciples, okay, it's time for you guys to get in the boat. And and, and they're sort of, they're they're following Jesus, but, but he's not getting in the boat with them. He didn't get in the boat first. And Jesus, you just kind of imagine, he just sort of uh, dismisses the crowd and he goes up. He says, yeah, just go ahead, guys. I'm just, I'm just going to go have a break. You guys go ahead in the boat. Now, what we know from the text and other places in the text is that this was the rainy season. And in the rainy season, we know that they were on the east side of the lake. And we know that in the rainy season, there's always a strong west wind uh, blowing. And this is just still happens in this part of the world today. In the rainy season, uh, in, the, in the Sea of Galilee, uh, when the wind blows, it blows from the west in the evenings. And so Jesus takes the most improbable time possible to send these disciples out. Like, like, do you start a journey into a lake that's likely to be really windy, like as it's just getting dark? Does this sound like a plan? This does not sound like a plan, but this was Jesus' plan. So, so first things first, I want to say to you, uh, as we're thinking about this, if you're considering uh, the lordship of Jesus Christ, if you're considering even becoming a Christian, if you're considering what it is for you to follow Jesus, uh, that following of Jesus is not predicated on making sense or being safe. The following of Jesus that he calls you to is not necessarily going to be safe. It is not necessarily going to be at the opportune time. It is not necessarily going to be strategically wisest from your perspective, though it may be strategically wisest from his perspective. If you're considering the lordship of Jesus, uh, it's not just something that you wade into, like me gently wading into the water at the edge of the lake. The good parent the guy I wish I was, and the guy who I was maybe closer near the end of the holiday, 
is the guy who does the cannonball into the water. Right? Who runs down the shore. And we used to do this as kids. Like, like look at how we used to, like, I used to mock guys like me. I used to mock guys getting slow into the water with a lot of body hair. I used to mock those people, right? Like, but because I was a kid, I was like, let's go one, two, three, Geronimo. That's what it was. One, two, three, Geronimo. And run down the beach and, and jump in the water. And this is what Jesus did to the disciples. He's like, okay, guys, you're on your own. Go across the lake. Hey, it's, it's dark. It's night. And the wind is going to be in your face, but have fun. And he pushes them out. What, what kind of savior is this? What kind of leader is this? But that's what Jesus called his disciples to do. And so the disciples, whose job was to do whatever Jesus told them to do, did what Jesus told them to do, and went out and started rowing across the lake. Uh, your journey with Jesus may well be the same. It may not make sense, and it may not seem safe. It may not seem safe. Uh, Helen Keller said this. She said, security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of God or men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. And so later that night... Jesus was alone, and his boat was already a considerable distance from land, and it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Jesus was enjoying his prayer time. If it was me, and these were my disciples I put into the boat, I would be, it's nighttime, I'd be sleeping. We'll say Jesus was having his alone time while he was awake. Uh, so Jesus was out there. He was having his quiet time. His disciples were struggling. Uh, we see later in the, uh, in the Mark version of the passage, in Mark 6, that they were rowing. So they weren't using the sails. It was too windy to have the sails up. They were rowing. And then it says in the John version of the passage, in John 6, that they were, uh, they were going across. And they, they were about three and a half miles across at this point. Uh, the distance across the Sea of Galilee, just from looking at, uh, at Bible atlases, is about seven miles. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't convert it to kilometers because I have an old Bible atlas uh, that was written in America. Um, and, uh, and so I should have converted that to, converted that to metric. But uh, so, so they're going across roughly seven miles. They're roughly halfway across. They're in the middle of the lake. Jesus is relaxing. Uh, if you're following Jesus, it won't necessarily feel like he's with you all the time. It won't necessarily always feel like he's with you. He will be with you and he will be aware and he will know what's going on because he is God, very God, creator of the universe who sees everything and knows everything and knows every hair on your head and knows every molecule moving on the planet and in the entire universe. His awareness is that big, but it might not always feel to you like he is in the boat with you. But he still might call you to go. He still might call you to go. And so this is a picture of the actual waves at, uh, that, that go in the Sea of Galilee. Um, and, and let me just ask, ask a question at this point. What do you think the disciples were thinking? What do you think the disciples were thinking? Who, who, who made this storm? They, they didn't make the storm. Have you had a storm in your life? You didn't necessarily make the storm. 
Sometimes the storm in your life can be uh, just circumstances. It can be uh, cultural forces. It can be economic forces. It can be a company downsizing. It can be uh, whatever it might be. It can be a, a chemical or a biological thing. It can be sickness coming. It's not necessarily your fault, but sometimes there can be storms in your life. But the disciples were also asking these questions. Guys, who, who sent us out here? Well, well, Jesus, Jesus did that to us. Uh, who sent us out here at night when there's always a strong west wind uh, during the rainy season? Well, G- G- Jesus did that. Uh, doubt is a reasonable feature of the faith. Does that make sense? Doubt and asking those questions is a reasonable feature of the faith. It's, it's through asking those questions that we come uh, to faith, that we come to understand. If you find yourself out in the middle of the storm and life is not happening well, uh, it might not be your fault. It might just be the world that we live in. And it might be somewhere that Jesus took you. And it's easier to be out in those places knowing that Jesus is control and Jesus has put us there uh, a lot of the time. And knowing that he's a God who who does deliver in his time. Uh, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. So now we've got uh, an idea of how time has elapsed. So Jesus sends them out at sunset. Uh, they're struggling halfway across the lake uh, in the middle of the night. And now here they are shortly before the dawn. Jesus comes and went out to them walking on the lake. And if we look at this again in Mark 6, instead of the Matthew 14 version of it, it says that it seemed like he was about to pass right by them. It seemed like he was about to pass right by them. That, uh, that doesn't sound like our wonderful <laughs> Savior. And so they cried out to him. Uh, they cried out to him. They saw him walking on the lake, and they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now that word uh, cry is this word, Krazo, which means that's what that that's what that word means. That's not like whoo. I'm startled. That's like whoa. That's weird. That's making the baby cry. I just made the baby cry. Poor baby. Oh no, I feel terrible. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Sensitive ears. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, for, that's exactly what the disciples were doing. He, he made them cry. Like, they cried out in fear. Like, how freaky is that? Oh, I really did it. I really did it. Any, any, none of the adults are crying. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. We did wake everybody up, though, didn't we? That's good. It's good. So the disciples are freaking out. They see uh, Jesus coming across uh, the water. Uh, They're terrified. They think it's a ghost. And, of course, uh, Jesus says to them this, as they cry, he says to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And, of course, their response isn't immediate relief. The wind and the waves are still blowing. And Peter has this phenomenal response uh, to Jesus saying, it is I. He says, Lord, if it's you, he replied, tell me to come out on the water. What is, what is Peter saying here? 
prove it. Right? Jesus is walking across the water. And they fear, he, he, he looks like a ghost because who else could walk across the water? And the word there really isn't like a spirit like we see. The word there in the Greek really is phantasmos, which is actually ghost, like a dead being walking across the water. So they don't know what's going on, what, what happened. They don't, they don't understand. They're just superstitious fishermen who are freaked out. And, and, and so Peter's like, well, prove it. And so you've got you to realize how this is probably playing out in Peter's, in Peter's head, right? Peter's like, prove it. And then Jesus says, okay, come. Peter's like, oh, dang. <laughs> right? And isn't that true? Don't we play chicken with God like that sometimes? First of all, just, just a side note. How many of you actually tried walking on water before? Let's be honest here. Come on, am I the only person? Are you kidding me? Raise your hands. There's, come on. Dane, Les, Craig, come on. I've tried walking on water. I've tried the gentle entry on the beach where it's shallow, and, and, and that didn't work. And, uh, and I tried the running off the side of a pool, and that didn't work either. So Peter, you know, for starters, Peter is like the only guy who's actually done this other than Jesus. So kudos to Peter right off the, right off the start. But, but, but Peter is, is, is going out. He's going to walk on the water. Jesus has come. Peter's freaking out in his heart. Now, how do you imagine Peter walked across the water? Okay, Jesus. You think that's how Peter did it? You think that's how Peter did it? I think Peter did it like this. He did it. <laughs> He climbed, he puts his foot over the edge of the boat. This is going to take my weight a little bit. And the next step, he's immediately filled with faith. I don't think that's how we operate. Is that how you operate as Jesus takes you on your, on your journey? Every single step is uncertain. Every single step is filled with doubt. Every single step is filled with challenge. And that's how we do our journey with Jesus Christ. Every single step we take is deliberate, is fearful, is, is scary. But we just have to keep taking steps. We just have to keep taking steps. And so he comes out. Uh, Peter got out of the boat, walked uh, on the water and came toward Jesus. So kudos to Peter right away. Like, oh, second guy to ever do that. And nobody's done it since, at least that I know of. I don't recall any stories of, like, saints in the Bible, like, walking on the water. But um, when he saw the wind, though, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt First, again, I, I'm so proud of Peter. Um, but why did, why did he sink? Why did he sink? He, he, he just he took his eyes off Jesus. That question there, uh, why, um, why did you doubt, is really, why did you take your eyes off me? Why did you take your eyes off of me? Peter's eyes were on the wind and the waves and no longer on the eyes of the Savior. Now, I want to pause right there because at this point, uh, Christians, we can become sort of judgmental of Peter, but how many of you know we are just the same? We are absolutely just the same. And, and I would add to that the fact that we are probably more than like Peter, we are probably more like the disciples who are still sitting in the boat. Who is the person in this story with the radical faith? 
it's the guy who, who said, uh, yeah, 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 let me come out in the water. And the guy who got caught in Jesus calling his bluff. And so just let me say this to you. I have had all kinds of failures in ministry. I have made all kinds of mistakes. I have gotten really wet. I have gotten really soaked. I have stepped out on the water and taken two steps and stunk like a stone more times than I can count. My hope for us as a church and for you as, as leaders and ministers and, and people serving in various ministries in the church is that you will feel an enormous freedom to get out there and get soaked. To get out there and get wet. To get out there and take risks. To step out of the boat and, and try stuff. And, and I as a pastor, I am the most guilty person of trying to protect everything and trying to make it safe and trying to make everything perfect and make everybody have a good experience and, and control everything. I, I have issues, absolutely. But my hope and my prayer that as we engage in this series that we will more and more come to a place as a church of being people who are more and more willing to take risks again. We've built a beautiful, safe, and wonderful church and now it's time to continue to risk it. It's to continue to build it, to continue to grow, to continue to, to take us on a journey. Not, not to intentionally hurt people, not to make it unsafe, not to break people's hearts by any stretch, but to stretch ourselves and set our feet out on the water. And I want to say this to us prophetically as a community. The only way this really works for us is if we continually struggle to be captivated with Jesus and keep our eyes on him. To be captivated by the love of Jesus. That's what makes the water firm beneath our feet, is to have our eyes on Jesus, to be captivated by worship, to be captivated by the presence of God, to be captivated by the glory of God and the beauty of God. So if I could say any one thing alongside this call to adventure us, uh, adventure for us as a church, it's a call to worship, a call to worship Jesus. A call to be captivated him, to be astounded by his glory again, to fall in love with him again, to express our love to him passionately again. We, we must become worshipers more and more and more. We must become worshipers. That's what makes the water firm uh, beneath our feet. Uh, the other observation here is that uh, simply, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you're just going to need continual saving. You will need him continually to reach out his hand to you and lift you out of the water if you're following him uh, in, in, in risky ways. If you're following him in risky ways. It says this, and when they climbed into the boat, and not until they climbed into the boat, the wind and the waves died down. When they climbed into the boat, the wind and the waves died down. And then this is the moment this is, is what it's all about. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, their eyes back on him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. And if you get out there as a person, if you let Jesus take you on adventures, adventures in ministry, adventures in serving, adventures in generosity, adventures in missions, adventures in whatever it is God is calling you to, 
I promise you that the feature in the middle of the storm, there will be moments of darkness, there will be moments of terror, there will be moments of screaming, there will be moments of fear, there will be moments of doubt, but somewhere in the middle of your adventure of following Jesus will be a moment of revelation where you say, truly, this is the Son of God. Truly, this is the Son of God. And you'll be connected with the reality of who Jesus is. And that's borne out in the text. Uh, this text, uh, the way it's packaged, I'm going to skip this quote just for the sake of time. This text, in the way it's uh, packaged, uh, the writers of the Gospels, uh, and, and in some cases, some of the monks who, who transcribed them over the years, uh, took a lot of thought to some of the detail. In, in particular, some of the writers like Matthew, who is writing to a Hebrew audience. This it is I is the same language that we see in the Old Testament for uh, I am that I am. When God was talking to Moses, I am that I am. And this text is, is located in this passage that we've read today, uh, 90 words in the Greek before it, and 90 words in the Greek after it, and buried exactly in the middle of this text of 181 words in the Greek, is this phrase, it is I. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about his revelation of himself to us as his disciples and to the world. And it doesn't happen unless we're in the middle of the adventure. It doesn't happen unless we're taking the risk. It doesn't happen unless we're following him. It doesn't happen unless we find ourselves in the middle of the storm. This is an incredible quote from a man named Keith L. Brooks. The sure cure for any doubt about Christ is to be out on the boisterous sea where no human power can help and then see him come forth to quiet the boisterous seas and save the sinking soul. You might be here and you might be trying to decide, am I, am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to be a Christian? You know, the lordship of Jesus isn't a, a gentle slope. There's not a gentle slope into allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your life. There's not one of these beaches where you can sort of go out and be 100 meters from the shore and be in, in, in knee-deep water. Accepting the lordship of Jesus is a cannonball into the deep end of the pool. And you don't know how it's going to work out. And you don't know what it's going to be like. And you, I can't as a pastor tell you that it's going to be a perfect experience. I can't tell you that Christianity is going to be something that is just going to be a really nice addition to your life. I would be lying. Christianity might be for you full of all kinds of storms. For Anna and I, it has been full of all kinds of storms. For Anna and I, it hasn't been safe. At the dumbest time possible when our kids were, when Jack was 18 months old and, and Toby was yet unborn, we decided to move with next to zero funding to a small town in Ontario where no church had been planted for 20 years and to plant a church with, with two other couples. It's a dumb time to plant a church. And this is a dumb place to plant a church. Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard. 
Jesus built this church as a stupid step of faith that seemed absurd at the time. And here you are. And the next stages for us seem absurd. Whether it's uh, buildings and ministry centers and 300 people and 400 people and reaching this community of 10 to 20,000 people uh, and filling this church and growing it and doubling it and tripling it, whatever that vision piece is uh, for you, whatever we decide collectively that we want to do together, it sounds dumb, it sounds impossible, it sounds like it can't be done. Will you step out of the boat with me? If you're a Christian, will you step out of the boat with me? If you're not a Christian, will you cannonball into the deep end of the pool? Maybe for the first time. If you're a Christian who's been playing it safe, who's been sitting back, who's been watching things happen, who's been uh, watching all the people scurry about and wondering what they're doing and thinking, man, I don't want to risk being a part of leadership. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to get involved in that. It might, uh, it might really mess up my life. I, I've been hurt before in ministry. Will you take a cannonball with me into the deep end of that pool again? It's time for us to go. It's time for us to move. It's time for us to follow Jesus. It's time for us to follow Jesus. Let's stand and pray. Will you make us radical followers of you? I pray right now for anyone who's in this place who's asking that question uh, for the umpteenth time and, and been balking on making the decision to accept your leadership, your lordship, to accept you as their personal savior. Father, would you call each one of those who are wrestling that with that into the pool? If you're here this morning and that's you, will you just pray this with me? Jesus, I've been so afraid. Jesus, but I have such great need. Would you forgive me? Would you welcome me into your family? Would you help me turn from everything that isn't you? Would you make me your disciple? And for those of us who are here who have been following you in such a safe way, Father, myself the worst of those, Lord, would you make us radical adventurers again? Would you let us be people of risk? Would you let us be people who risk the hurt, who risk the storms, who risk the waves, who risk the doubt, who risk the fear, all to follow you? Would you make us those who risk in evangelism, who risk in praying for the sick, uh, who risk in serving children, who risk in caring for the poor, uh, who risk in, in every aspect of our lives? Would you invade us in the hockey ranks? Would you invade our lives in our workplaces? Would you invade our lives in the schools and show us the moments in those places to step out of the boat? Would you let us be people of adventure again? Would you let us be your disciples? Would you let us not be people who miss the most important moments of our lives? Take us out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.